Yay! Did you guys like that? That bumper? Wasn't that epic? You know, we have a whole team. Could you join me in thanking our tech team and our worship team for all of their hard work? These guys work so hard to, to just um, enhance your encounter and your experience with God. You know, the, the only reason that we exist here is to love God and to love other people. And, and one of the ways that we can love people is to give them a spiritual encounter with God to provide opportunity for that. So um, as you can see, we're in a, a series right now on Galatians, and just for a little bit of history, a little background. So Paul, the apostle, he had planted these churches, and they were doing fine at first, and he started to realize that there were like some false teachers coming in. And these false teachers were saying, oh, yeah, the whole Jesus thing, you know, Jesus died on the cross, and that was, that's great, and that's good, but you still have to do these other things in order to really be a Christian. You have to, like, you have to be circumcised, and, like, I don't know about the church growth program with that, but they, they were demanding that if you, if you want to be a Christian, this is what you need to do. You need to keep all the festivals and all the, you know, Jewish dates and all of the holidays and everything. And Paul was just so frustrated with these guys. He was just so annoyed that Jesus Christ had gone to the cross for our sins, paid the price for our sins, and said, like Sarah prayed, as Jesus was on the cross, he said, like you could see Kelly's t-shirt said, Tetelestai, which means it is finished. Jesus is saying, it is finished. Like, how much more finished can it be when Jesus says? And what he meant was he had paid the price. He had died for the sins of the whole world. So these false teachers are coming in and going, no, you still need to do these works. And so this is where we pick it up here in Galatians chapter 3. And I had a friend years ago, and she had a real prophetic gift, and um, she would always, if she had something kind of hard to say, she would start out by saying, I'm going to tell you something now. You go ahead and candy coat it in your own mind if you need to. And then, boom, she would, like, lay something on you. So tell you the truth, but she would she'd kind of go for it. Paul the Apostle did not hold back here at all. He really, he showed his annoyance. He showed how ticked off he was by starting Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. You foolish Galatians. I mean, this isn't what you would expect from like this Christian guy, right? He's like, he's basically saying, you idiots. Basically, that's, that's like a translation. You dummies. What is wrong with you? And he says, who has cast a spell on you? During this time in Galatia, there was a lot of demonic activity and a lot of occultism and a lot of black magic and these kind of things, like uh, sorcery and those kind of things. And so when he says, who has cast a spell on you, it meant something. It says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? There he goes for it again. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now finishing with your own flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? 
So then, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard, just like Abraham, who believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness? You know, then, that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now, this this part, we're not going to go into too in-depth, but Abraham is called the father of faith. So Abraham and his wife, Sarah, received a promise. And the promise did not happen for years and years and years and years till it said that they were as good as dead. They were almost, they were so old. How many of you are still waiting on a promise from God? And you're just thinking, when is this ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? And then you start to try to make it happen like they did, which was really a bad idea. So, so because they had been promised that they were going to have a child. And Sarah was not getting pregnant, and I guess eventually she went through the change. And so they're thinking, well, it's hopeless. There's no hope. And Sarah's like, hey, I have an idea. Why don't you go take uh, our servant girl, Hagar, and why don't you, you know, make a baby with her? Maybe that's how God's going to bless us. Not recommended, okay? Because then Sarah started to get really annoyed with Hagar because Hagar had a baby, and then it just started all kinds of, it just did not turn out well. But I feel like there are those of us here, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the promise of God. And you're wondering... Did I hear wrong? Is God lying to me? Is God a practical joker? Did God really speak that to me? But it's saying here that because Abraham believed, even though he wasn't perfect in his believing, but it says because he believed, it was credited to him as righteousness, which just means he was in right standing with God. Abraham was in right standing with God. And so it says, those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. And that's when we have faith, when we just believe God. That is when we become Abraham's sons. It says, a scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, now I want you to get this, those who have faith, are blessed with Abraham who had faith. So today we're going to talk about two different kinds of religion. Did you know that there are only two religions in the world? I mean, you can look on Wikipedia and you can take classes and you can find books where they'll say all the world religions, but ultimately it comes down to only two different streams, two different belief systems. The first one is a system that says you have to earn your way. You have to do a lot of good works. You have to, to be almost perfect. And then maybe you can make it to the afterlife or whatever it happens to be. And then the second kind is you have to have faith in Jesus Christ that he already paid the price for your sins so you can be reconciled to God, the Heavenly Father, your Creator. Those are the two kinds. Every other world religion puts the, the responsibility on you to earn your salvation. 
Christianity put all the responsibility on God. So the two kinds are, the first one is foolish, and the second one is fulfilling and filling for us. And so we're going to talk about today the seven questions that Paul the Apostle asked about what these Galatians were believing, how they were deceived, and then we're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here, here are the seven questions Paul asked. He says, who cast a spell on you? Now, again, there was a very spiritual climate here. So this really meant something. It meant like to, to look upon someone with an evil eye. You ever had someone look at you with an evil eye and you're like, hey, I feel like they're putting a hex on me. He's asking them because they knew, they got what this was. When I was a little kid, there was a show on, and I used to love it. Does anybody ever, have you ever heard of the show Bewitched? It's a show and it like, it like kind of glamorizes witchcraft. You know, she, she could, she had the ability to wiggle her nose and then everything would go her way. I always wanted that. Like, I was like, I want to wiggle my nose and get my way. But that did never happen. But anyway, but that's what it is. It's, it's like witchcraft. And he's asking them, are you guys, like, are you believing in witchcraft now? Who put the spell on you? The second question he asked is, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Now, with the works of the law, what that's talking about is there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. Um, I had a Jew correct me. His name is Ira. He's a pastor. <laughs> he said, it's, it's not 633, because I thought it was 633. He goes, I went to Hebrew school. I know. It's 613. So I stand corrected. But here he's saying, did you do all these things right? Like, did you not do this and not do this and do this and do this and eat this and not eat that and not wear these clothes and not do this? And he's saying, or did you, do, did you get the spirit because of what you believed? That's what he's asking for. So again, back to the two different kinds of religion. The one, religion A, says, I obey and I believe, therefore I am accepted, as long as you're perfect in that. But what Christianity says is, I believe I'm already accepted, and therefore I obey. I'm already accepted. You know, like that song we just sang, it's saying, before the world even came into existence, he already chose you. He already called you by name. Look at the person next to you and say, I don't know what your name is, but he called you by that name. He already, he already accepts you. He, he, he chose you. And so Paul is just like, what is going on? So again, he asks him, are you guys idiots? Are you so foolish? And then the fourth question, he says, after beginning with the Spirit, I want you to keep that in mind, tuck that away. Beginning with the Spirit, he says, are you now finishing with your flesh? I mean, so many people do this. You know, it's like, yes, I've been saved by grace through faith, not of my own works. And yet then they think they're the ones that have to keep it going. Some of you struggle with this. You think, oh, I have to earn God's love. I have to do all these things and try so hard. And he's going, no, I already love you. And when you know that you are loved and accepted and approved of, you want to bless. You want to obey God. You want to please him. 
So again, he says in verse six, I mean, question number six. So then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing? Again, back to kind of the witchcraft and kind of the black magic. Like, are you, do you really think you have this kind of power but, but by doing the works of the law, by keeping all of these 613 laws? I keep stumbling. I always want to say 33. 613 laws? Question seven, he says, or is it by believing what you heard? What does Jesus say that the works of God is? Anybody know? The works, this is what Jesus says. So we are saved by works, but this is the works. To believe in the one whom God has sent. That is how we are saved. Saved means that you have eternal life. means that you're going to go to heaven. It means that you're in right standing with God, just like Abraham was. It is credited to you as righteousness. Now I'm going to get into a teaching here, and it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit of a risk. Um, it's a very controversial issue in the body of Christ today. Um, but I want to say I'm not going to base things on my opinion. I'm going to try to base what I have to say on the word of God and make a case for this. Um, back in these days, the, the times of the Galatians, they did believe, or the Jews believed, that when, when a man was, or a little boy, a baby was circumcised, he received the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to make a case today that shows you the three different prepositions that talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? Anybody excited about this? And I really believe God has a special gift. I really believe God has something for each and every person here. And again, we only exist to see life transformation. We want to see people drawn closer to God and, and receive his love and receive the gift of God. And so we're going to talk about, we talked about being foolish. That's all about your own works. But now we're going to talk about being filled. John chapter 14, which I would strongly recommend if you're going through a hard time now and if you need to be comforted, and I know there are a lot of you who are struggling right now and you could use some comfort. John chapter 14 is such a precious chapter. When I first became a Christian, um, I was discipled by an 80-something-year-old woman named Sylvia Fast, who had been a professional singer, and she had a surgery on her vocal cords, and the surgeon severed her vocal cords so she could only talk like this. And so whenever I'd go visit her, she would have me read out loud, read from the Bible. And one of my favorite chapters to read was John chapter 14. And it starts out, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's room are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you, but I will go away and prepare a place for you so that I can come back. I'm not going to quote the whole thing, but I want to get to this part. This is um, John chapter 14, verse 16. This is Jesus talking now, and he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, say another, counselor to be with you, say with, forever. He is the spirit of truth. It says the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him 
because he remains with, say with, you. And you, and he will be in, say in, you. Okay, so now I, I, don't, I don't talk about the Greek a whole lot, but I think that in this particular subject, we have to go back to the original language because it makes a it makes a difference. It makes a change. And I, I have heard many teachings that try to say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were only for the first century church, it was only for the early church, and that they passed away after that. But you really have to, you have to strive to make a case for that. Because if you just take the Word of God for what it says, and you study it, even understanding some of the things about the original Greek, because the, the New Testament is in New Testament Greek. But to understand this, it really does illuminate it. Because here he's talking, he's saying that he will be with you, which is para, P-A-R-A, or para, which is like a paralegal or a paramedic. It's, it's someone who comes alongside. It's someone who helps. And the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. Not like a bird, but the paraclete is one who comes alongside. That is what the Holy Spirit is, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about his spirit that he's promising to send. He's saying he will be with you, which is para, and he says, and he will be in you. Okay? So with and in are two different things. Can we agree? I can be, I can be um, with my car, or I can be in my car right? They're not the same thing. And so I'm going to use this. It's not the perfect analogy, but so imagine this is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, I am with the Holy Spirit here. Okay. And then this is in. So this is para. This is n, which is in. The Holy Spirit is in. Now, after Jesus was crucified on the cross, and he was buried, and he was raised again from the dead three days later, it says that the, the Holy Spirit, he left the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about um, the book of Acts. I'm in a class right now um, in my grad program called Contextualization in the Book of Acts, and I'm learning so much about a sensitivity to how do we bring the gospel to people? How do we bring good news to people? And one of the main issues that they talk about consistently is the Holy Spirit. And so um, the Holy Spirit being poured out happens after Jesus leaves. Now, it talks about he will be para you, he will be with you, he will be in you. But now when we get to the book of Acts, it talks about he will be upon you. So he will be upon you. So with and in and upon you. <laughs> okay? I mean, I would dump that, douse the whole thing, but I'm afraid of the electrical equipment. I don't want to die today. It's not a good day to die. So, but imagine that. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit is poured out on you, upon you. So he is with you, he is in you, and he is upon you. 
And this is what we're going to talk about. And I want to tell you, the, the Holy Spirit, the pouring out, the upon you part, is the word epi, E-P-I. That's the Greek word. It means that the Spirit is poured upon you. And what it does is it gives you the ability to, I call it rap, not like the musical style, but rap, W-R-A-P. And we're going to refer back to these. It gives you the power to witness, the power to resist the demonic, the power to avoid temptation, and the power to pray. Rap. So we're going to come back to this. Acts chapter 1. If you could turn in your Bible, if you have it with you, your cell phone, whatever you have, it says, you will receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit has come on. Say come on. Come on. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit has come on, or epi, upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. I just want to say, if you have never shared Jesus with people, if you have never shared the hope of the good news of Jesus, that people can be saved and healed and set free and delivered and filled, I'm telling you, it is the biggest rush you've ever had in your life. It says in the Proverbs that whoever wins souls is wise. And when you are When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're given like a holy boldness to be able to declare the goodness of God to people who are broken and lost and hurting. And so that's one of the things that they're seeing here. It says, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. So W stands for witness. You will be able to witness when when the Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 8 Verse 14, Acts 8, 14, it says, When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received, okay, now they've received the word of God, okay, which means that they've believed, okay? It says, and then they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come down or appeared He had not come upon them, on any of them. So they were already believers. So do you see what's happening here? The Holy Spirit was with them, and he was in them, but he had not yet come upon them. And that's the case that I'm trying to make. And you may come from a tradition where, where you were taught that this is evil and to say this kind of a thing is blasphemy and it's not true. I just want to invite you open up your heart and open up your mind and open up your spirit to what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. It says they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were believers, they had been baptized, but the Spirit of God had not yet come upon them. It says, and Peter and John laid their hands on them and they what? What does it say? Say it out loud. Received the Holy Spirit. So you, are you seeing that you? it's a stretch to say that they had already received the Holy Spirit? And, and, and people will try to make the case. You know, when Jesus was baptized, it said that he came up out of the waters and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, not as a dove, like a dove. It descended upon him. And so people try to make the case that when you're baptized, that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. But here, 
it makes just the opposite case. It's saying they had already been baptized. So sometimes when you read the Bible, it's descriptive. It's describing something. Sometimes when you read it, it's prescriptive. It means it's a, like a prescription. It's something that, needs, that you need to do, okay? But here, it's saying they'd already been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had come to Christ. They had believed. They had been baptized. But the Holy Spirit had not, epi, had not come upon them. Acts 19, verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, also a pretty skanky town. This Ephesus was a really horrible place. And it says, I won't go into detail, but trust me, it was. Anyway, it says, he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, listen to this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? See, this is the case that a lot of teachers will try to make is that the Holy Spirit, as soon as you believe, that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says, it says, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And this was the case for me. I loved Jesus. When I, when I, when I first became a Christian, I was a wreck. I was an absolute emotional mess. And I came to Jesus and I believed and I was baptized, but I was yearning for more. I wanted more. And then I started hearing these people tell me about the epi, about the Holy Spirit coming upon you, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the consumption. You are completely consumed to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and this is, this is my case. Sometimes it happens right when a person comes to the Lord. My, my husband, when he became a Christian, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit right there. But for some people, it can be weeks or months or years later. But there is another coming upon that changes everything. It says, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And so then he asked them, well, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. Repentance means just to change your mind. And it says, he was telling the people that they should believe in the one who'd come after him, that is, in Jesus. Okay, so they were believers. You see, they were believers in Jesus already. And they'd been baptized already. It says, <clears throat> when they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, sometimes you'll get filled with the Holy Spirit when people lay hands on you. Sometimes you can be in the most weird situation. I mean, one guy was just telling me between services, he got filled with the Holy Spirit when he was mowing his lawn. My pastor got filled with the Holy Spirit on the toilet. Hopefully no one was laying hands on him. <laughs> that would have been weird. <laughs> so sometimes it happens with the laying on of hands. Sometimes it doesn't. But it says, when Paul laid his hands on them, it says the Holy Spirit came on them. Say epi. It is the epi when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says, and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now this is where things always get weird. Because people are like, oh, great, they're going to go on about tongues. No, no, I'm not. And, and no, we're not going to get all weird. But I can tell you 
that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it talks a lot about the gift of tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, it doesn't mean you're not good enough. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's just a gift from God. And it says, do all speak in tongues? No. And so I just want to dispel any notions that this is like the evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily. And we can talk about this later, but I just want you to know that God is faithful. And God is going to do what God is going to do. But he does ask us, like it says here in Luke, 11.13. It says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and that's like relative to God. We're evil relative to God. He's not calling names. But how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more does God want to pour upon you, to overwhelm you, to consume you with his Spirit? And I'm here as evidence of that, and I can tell you there is something that happens that, can, that will transform your walk with the Lord. It will transform your life. I was, I was dating a guy at the time when I, when I had first become a Christian, and I knew that I needed to break up with him, and I knew that the Spirit of the Lord was telling me I needed to break up with him, but I just couldn't do it. But I got I got filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. He came upon me, and I was able to break up with my boyfriend, and everything changed. It was the rap. I was able to witness. I was able to resist the demonic. I was able to avoid temptation, and I had power when I prayed. You know, I think in America, we kind of think that, oh, you know, those demons, there aren't demons in America no naming names, <laughs> there are definitely demons. In America, I think they're just a little more covert. They just hide. They kind of clean themselves up a little more. They're not as blatant. Like, for example, our pastor in the Philippines, when he tells a story about how a man was demonized and he tried for a long, long, for several hours, this guy was like throwing stuff and beating him up and going after him and everything. And the whole church stood outside and prayed. Were you guys there? Wow. So you can ask Sarah and Prentice. They were there at the time. I mean, and this was obvious. This guy, he was demonized. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, Kevin was able to cast these demons out of this guy. And the guy was like in his right mind and changed forever. And it changed the church. And I've had situations where I've been able to lay hands on people and pray over them, and boom, like a demon will leave them. It's, it's kind of weird and kind of creepy, but it happens, and it does even happen in America. And I believe, church, that we are entering into an era where things are going to get darker. Things are going to get more evil. Things are going to continue to spiral down morally speaking, spiritually speaking. And my goal for you, my desire for you is that you would have everything that's available to you to be able to share the gospel, to witness to people, to be able to resist the demons that want to torment you. There are spiritual principalities and rulers in the darkness. Read about it in Ephesians chapter 6. 
you know, Satan wants you to deny that there is evil. He wants you to not believe that there's evil. But there is, and there are demons that are behind a lot of it. Sometimes it's selfishness, but even that maybe is demonic. I don't know. But I'm just saying, we can have the ability to even cast out demons and the ability to avoid the things, the addictions and the temptations and the, and the things that seem to hold us captive. You can resist those things and you will have power to pray. There was a woman that I worked with. This is right before I got filled with the Holy Spirit, a P. And this woman, I mean, we would be standing in a, we worked at this Christian bookstore, and we would be standing there, and everybody would kind of pray, and I'd be like, you know, their little prayers. And then she would start praying, and I'd be like, I, I peaked. How many of you peek when you pray? Peekers. I was like, like staring at her like, what? Like there was just a difference. When she prayed, there was like an authority, a spiritual authority that she had. Not that she was really any different than anybody else, but man, there was something different about her prayers. And this is what God wants to give you. And it says, if you, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So all I'm asking, all I'm saying to you is that if you ask, open your heart. And we're going to have a time where we're going to have some people up front who will pray for you. And, and if, you know, if you want, people will lay hands on you and pray over you, but you can just ask. Just say, Lord, I want more. I want all of you. If you don't know Jesus yet, let me just make this really, really easy for you. The good news, or the gospel, good news is gospel, is that all of us have sinned. We have all failed. None of us can be perfect. We can't earn our salvation. But Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. Jesus Christ, who is God himself, became a human being, and he went to the cross, he suffered, he was crucified and raised from the dead so that we could be set free, so that we could stand right before God, we could be in right relationship with God. And if that's you, and and if you want to pray with us this morning, I'm just going to offer that to you. And I want to say for those of you who you you, you suspect, you've been prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, and you just kind of don't know for sure, it's okay. Keep asking, how much more does the Heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more does God want to bless his kids? So I'm going to ask um, some of the pastors to come forward and, and pray. They're available here if you want someone to lay hands on you, but if not, we're going to pray a prayer all together now. Even for those who are online, we're going to pray a prayer and just invite the Holy Spirit to epi, to come upon us Does anybody want that? Anybody just want the Holy Spirit to just consume you, to overwhelm you, to give you everything you need for life and godliness? Well, Father God, we just, would you mind standing with me? Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are the King of the universe. You are faithful. Lord, we thank you that your word is so clear. God, that you want to be with us, you want to come alongside us. You're the paraclete. 
Lord, and you want to dwell in us by your spirit. Lord, we thank you that you are within us. But God, we also are asking in the name of Jesus, fill us to overflowing, Lord. Fill us to overflowing. Come upon us, God. Not, Lord, not because we deserve it, but because you're so good. Lord, because you long to give good gifts to your children. So, Lord, we just we come before you humbly asking you, fill us, consume us, baptize us, overwhelm us with your Holy Spirit so that we can have the power to witness, to resist the, the demonic, to avoid temptation, Lord, and to have power in our prayers, to wrap it up, Lord. And we just thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you, um, I just want you to know if you keep just crying out, keep asking God, fill me to overflowing. I'm telling you, there is a physical presence of God that you can sense, that you can feel. Invite him. Just say, Lord, I'm going to sit here until I sense your, your spirit and your presence. Amen. If, uh, if you have never come to Christ, you've never been forgiven, you've never received the forgiveness Jesus offers, I just want to invite you, come forward and come talk to one of us or the person who brought you. Ask them, how do I, how do I become a Christian? How do I become a disciple of Jesus? Amen? All right, well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We will see you guys next week. I love you all. Mm-hmm.